Welcome to the Loving Your Husband Before You Even Have One podcast. My name's Kim, and I'm here with my co-host, Adrian, and we are so glad you've chosen to spend time with us today. We are going to discuss choices you can make while you're single that will help you flourish in your single years and increase your odds for an enjoyable, lasting marriage later. It's kind of like you're loving your husband before you even have one. Adrian, we have a fun topic today. Oh yeah, if you think contentment something fun to talk about, you will definitely think it's something fun to talk about when you get to hear from our guest, Abby. We are so excited to have Abby with us today. She lives in Tokyo, Japan, and so she's coming to us via Zoom early in the morning, um, and it's late afternoon for us, but we're glad that you're here, Abby. Thank you for making time for us. Well, I'm glad to be here, Kim. It's kind of surreal because I feel like I've learned a lot about contentment from you. So it's just sweet to now be talking with you about it when I learned a lot through just resources and your book and getting to be around you in college. Well, I am honored, Abby. You have just been a joy and a delight. You have stepped into some serving roles with our family and with our campus ministry through the years, and we just have appreciated just your heart for God and your love for others, and we have really benefited that. And you are just a gem. I mean, you are just a gem, and you live a fun life. You live an intentional, meaningful life. And I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you better today. Um, In light of that, would you share a little bit just about what you're excited about these days to kind of help our listeners get to know you on a personal level? Yeah, I think um, so. I have lived in Japan for two years and every two years, there's something called a furlough where you go home for three months and just really get to see all your friends and family. And so I just did that over the summer and it was really fun to go on trips with friends. I love just traveling and doing girl trips and things like that. I got to go to Florida and California and Massachusetts, all like girls trips. And so um, I just, I love getting to do fun things like that while I'm single and get to really make the most of my friendships. Wow. Well, you do. You live a joyful life. I remember when you went to the balloon festival. Do you remember that? And (laughs) didn't someone like steal your car or something crazy like that? Wait, really? Very typical of my life. Like random things always happen to me. I honestly, that's so funny you remembered because yeah, I was like, I never drive on these trips. I should drive. I had just gotten this new like SUV. I used to have a small car. And so I was like, I'll drive us this time. And then we find out that Albuquerque is like the number one auto theft of the world. And my car is stolen. And so there's not even like a car rental place in the town. We have to take a train and then go to the airport, like all this stuff. And so I just feel like... I live this spontaneous life, but also random things like that always happen. But 
Hey, something I'm sure you didn't laugh about in the moment, but we can laugh about now. Yes. Yeah. It's a great story to tell. Just such a gem of a heart to want to drive. Yeah. Okay. So help our listeners understand, and me, since I don't know you that well, you live in Tokyo, Japan right now. And, you know, you were just a sorority girl in Arkansas. What in the world led you to Tokyo, Japan? Yes. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Adrian, because I think that's something I didn't know that someone who just is a sorority girl can end up being a missionary. Like I always thought, you know, it's the long denim skirts and they're homeschooled. And that was my view of like what a missionary was. And I had been on a mission trip my senior year of high school, just we went to Mexico with my church and like painted houses. And so I knew about service mission trips, but then in college, my freshman year, that's when I really started walking with God, like started learning what the Bible says about Jesus and having a personal relationship with him. And so then that summer after freshman year, I went to a discipleship program and there was a missions conference and Todd Aaron spoke and he talked about the unreached and the unreached are countries and people and people groups who have no access to God's word. Some people don't even have a Bible in their language. And he also said the verse Romans 15, 20, which when he said this verse, it just kind of pierced my heart and made me realize like, I want to do this. And it says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel and not where it's already named, lest I build up on someone else's foundation. And that really struck me because I didn't know there were places with no foundation that if you want to learn about God, you can't just go to church and you can't just go ask a Christian. There's nothing. Um, So then I went back to campus and I started actually learning how to share the gospel there because you know, I wasn't equipped to just move to another country. I had to learn how to share the gospel with people. So I went back to my sorority and led Bible studies and discipled girls. And I also got involved in international ministry with my church. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I know I've like talked to a few, you know, college girls or high school girls. They're like, I want to be like a missionary when I grow up or I want to go overseas and do that. And then you ask the question of like, yeah, so how can you prepare like today? Like, who are you sharing the gospel with in your home country? And they look at you with like big old eyes and they go, oh, Uh, that's scary. I don't know if I want to do that. And it's like, what makes you think you can share the gospel in another country if you don't even know how to in your own? Yeah. Good point. Good point. So I love that you are giving your life to the unreached people group in Tokyo, Japan, where they, you know, may not have a church that they on every street corner that they can walk in and learn about God. And I love that you are getting to be someone that intercepts um, just with the people that you meet to share the love of Christ with them. Yeah. Well, our topic today, Abby, is contentment. And how would you define contentment? Yes. So I think I would define it. I'm going to steal a little bit of this quote from one of my favorite books by Elizabeth Elliot. It's called Passion and Purity. Some of you guys might have heard of it, but she has this famous quote and she says, my heart I knew would forever be a lonely hunter unless settled where true joys are to be found. So I would say contentment is having peace with getting everything from 
Jesus because he is where true joy is found. And, you know, Psalm 1611 says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And so I would say that it's having your heart settled in the presence of God because he's where those things come from. I love that you just shared that quote and just a little bit uh, more about what the Psalm says. Cause I think a lot of the time you think contentment is my circumstances. Like contentment is uh, when I get to do when X, Y, Z happens, but it's like, no, really contentment is only from the Lord. Yeah. I think also it's important to talk about what contentment isn't because there are a couple things that I just didn't really understand. I think with this topic. So something it isn't is it's not that you just have a lack of desire. Like you just don't care about dating or clothes or whatever it is. And I think in college, I thought like, Oh, I'm so content when really I just didn't like care about dating. I was having so much fun and I was growing spiritually that I wasn't really thinking about like boys or dating or anything. And so that's kind of a shallow view of contentment. Because I think recently, Kim, I learned this from you is like, you can be content, but also desire good things. You can also desire things that God wants for you. Um, But then also it's not having everything you want. And then you don't really have to go to God because you just have everything you want. So I think those two things are things that are not true contentment. Yeah. Kim, you're just full of wisdom over here. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, can't, I can't remember saying that, but I'm so glad I did. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, like, I'm getting to learn uh, from that, too. Well, I just went through a lot of single years, and uh, you learn contentment, you know, as you go through those difficulties, you know, things that you didn't plan, but God, I, you know, I wouldn't have picked it, but God picked it for me, and I just had some great lessons to learn in the midst of it all, and so I'm grateful and I find it too interesting, Abby, that you, you know, you said in college that you weren't really like looking for boys or anything like that. That wasn't, you know, what you were interested in at the time. And then I look at your life now and I go, okay, you moved to Tokyo, Japan after you graduated you joined some other missionaries that were over there. All of them are married and have families and you are the only single person over there. And so... I'm sure like contentment probably looks a little bit different being over there when it's like a lot of your options of people that you could date are removed or across the seas. Yeah. I mean, elaborate a little bit on that. Help us to understand what single life is like for you where you are right now in Japan. Yes. So you are correct. I'm on a team with all married people who are not only married, but have children. So we're like, in these totally opposite seasons. And I think it's been really cool because God has taught me a lot about what marriage really is. And, you know, our generation with social media, you see like the bachelorette party and the wedding and all these fun, exciting things that are fun. Um, But being around married people every single day who are settled into their marriage, who have been married like four or five, six years, um, you see that it's not always romantic and it's not always exciting, but that you become more like Christ. And so I think in that sense, it's made me like be content being single, but also desire that type of marriage where I think I thought like, oh, 
that's not fun. That's not cool. I want someone who's, you know, we're going to do all these crazy adventures, but really seeing the beauty of how God designed marriage. And it's sweet because now I can say that that that's what I desire more than all of the Instagram pictures or the wedding or whatever it is. I desire just somebody who has the same vision and heart for God. You know, I am so glad you said that because Okay, I kind of talked about that in my book and the chapter Develop Realistic Expectations because I it helped me and my contentment level to be around these godly women who are married to these amazing men and had these wonderful marriages because it's not all like the like you said um, Abby about Instagram and you know it's like you begin to see that it takes work and there's conflict and it's uh, but it's I think it really helps on a lot of levels to really have realistic expectations of what marriage is and what love is because it helps you with contentment because like I would spend time with my married friends and I would leave there and I'd go, I'm so glad I'm single. <laughs> and then I'm sure she would leave our times together thinking, I'm so glad I'm married mm-hmm. because there's there's challenges about being single and there's challenges about being married. Mm-hmm. And it's like a trade off. You know, it's like, you know, when I was single, I just hated being alone and uh, and now that I'm married, I just want to be alone sometimes, you know, and so it, you know, but if you can learn to be content in your current circumstances, you can be content later. But if you can't be content now um, or see the good in your circumstances, it'll be hard to see the good once those challenges come up in marriage mm-hmm. later. Yeah, my husband Dave and I were actually having a conversation about contentment this morning. And he was like, it's funny because a lot of people that aren't content when they're single and, you know, they think marriage is going to fix their problems, they're actually not content in marriage either. Because if you're only finding your contentment based on your circumstances, well, your circumstances are always going to change. (laughs) That is just the reality of life is change happens. And so what doesn't change? Christ. God does not change. And so he has to be the only one we find our contentment in. Yeah. So I'm glad you shared that. And I just love that um, you're in good hands over there. So that's good. Okay. So tell us about Japan. I've never gotten to go um, to Japan. So give us like a peek into what that looks like over there. What does day-to-day life look like? And what are some things that you love about Tokyo specifically? Yeah. So my day-to-day life really is, it depends on kind of the time of year. So in April, May, our team just tries to meet a bunch of new people like around the city, at parks, at universities. So those few months are just every day we're going out and meeting new people and having events and things like that. Um, But really the rest of the time, my day-to-day is just hanging out with my Japanese friends, sharing the gospel with them. And it's fun because Japanese girls like if they are going to make time for you, you're going to spend all day with them. And so we'll go do something really fun. Like we'll go to their house or, you know, I've gotten to sleep over at my Japanese friend's house and it's so fun. Um, there was one time I was like telling my friend and her mom, like, oh, I'm going to go brush my teeth really quick, like before bed. And I like said it in Japanese and I was just thinking, what is my life? Like, this is so weird that I just told this Japanese family that I'm going to go brush my teeth in Japanese at their house. Like this is so random. Um, but it's fun. There's just always stuff like that. And 
Um, you know, I love Tokyo. Like I love this city. It's, you never run out of things to do and the people are really helpful, like just so kind. Um, and of course I love the ramen. I love there's heated toilet seats. Every toilet seat is heated. So, well, that's a luxury. Wow. But yeah, those are some of the things that I love about Tokyo. And I feel like the more I live here, the more things I love about it. It seems like you fit in very well in Tokyo because I I know you're kind of fashion forward and Tokyo is kind of a fashion forward culture. Um, Am I right? Is that? Yes. No, it's fun. Um, I think their fashion is really different than ours. And I feel like it's either zero or a hundred here. Like you're either in just a plain all black outfit or like the craziest, most colorful with like chains and glitter. And so there's kind of zero or a hundred, but it's really fun. Okay. So you mentioned just a lot of the fun things about living in Tokyo. Um, would love for you to like be real with us. What are some of the hard things about living in Tokyo? Yeah. So I think the hard thing is being totally like out of your element and everyone speaks a different language. Like coming here, I thought like a ton of people would speak English, but it's really not the case. I'd say like 10% of people I meet speak English. So that's hard. Um, Cause I sound like a first grader a lot of times, like trying to talk to people. Um, and I think it really is like the hardest thing for me is kind of just not having that young adult season of life, like being on a team with all families, you know, they're in a totally different season. And so I think I've lived here for two years and the whole time it has been, I've been the only single person and I love being single, but when you're the only one who's single, it's lonely. And, um, I think I went through this period of time where I was seeing all my friends' lives in America and like, well, God, they still know you. They're still a believer, but they get to do all this fun stuff all the time and have this community and be surrounded by other single girls. And so, um, yeah, just that period of time, I really was like, I feel like God doesn't love me as much as them, even though this is exactly what I prayed for and exactly what I knew I wanted to do. It was just like the enemy was telling me, look at what these people have in their life and they still get to serve God and you're serving God and look, you're like all alone. And so he must just not love you as much, which isn't true, but you have to fight to believe what's true. And so I think that just looks like a lot of me memorizing scripture and I journal a lot too like I process what I'm thinking and feeling and I'll write down um a lot of times just go into depth with myself and be like okay why am I doing this job and then write down because these people don't know Jesus why um you know am I even a believer because God sent Christ to die for me and all these things like why 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 and just really remember the basic truths of like every single thing that's hard. Um, Paul says in Philippians 2, I um, consider everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. So even in the hard things, um, if we're doing it for God, we're going to gain more of God and we're going to know Christ deeper. And so it's always worth it. But a lot of times it means getting out of your comfort zone and doing something hard. 
I appreciate you being honest with us just about some of those struggles. Because I, I can only imagine, especially with Instagram, because I'm sure when you're on Instagram and you see all these, you know, I mean, I, you know, living alone um, and being far away from all of that, I, I could see how that could be a real struggle. And just hearing you say that, I was thinking of some of the other single women that we've had on our podcast share about their lives. And, you know, they're in the States and they're saying some of the same things like, well, I just don't get to do what, you know, person X is getting to do. And I think it just is showing the schemes of the enemy of just wanting us to not be satisfied in our current circumstances and thinking that, well, it would just be better if this Mm -hmm. changed. Yeah. Tell us about the 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 pool of men you get to choose from over there (laughs) yeah there's not one Kim there is not much of a pool so yeah I think that is something that it's interesting because since there really isn't I mean it's less than one percent Christian so and um I think too like we don't have any single guys you know on our team um I don't know maybe I know like a couple believer single guys, but really the pool is like nothing. Um, and so it can be hard, but at the same time, this was something I had to think about going over here. It wasn't like this shock. Um, and so that's something I thought about a lot before choosing to do this. And it just made me have to believe who God is and made me have to realize, um, that, if God has someone for me, me moving to Japan, it's not like, oh, now I'm never going to meet them. And now it's not going to happen because it's God. And so it actually just makes it where he could make this an even more amazing story that would glorify him. If I were to meet someone, you know, he can just poof someone into my life on me going back to America for something or someone coming here for like a mission trip or business. He can do whatever love story he wants to write if he has someone for me in my life and so it just made me really free to go and do this when I thought about that like oh Mm -hmm. me going isn't gonna make me miss out on who God has for me I mean I don't think I could say it any better I mean Abby that's amazing and it makes me think um, of a story that I wrote about in the book in my book but um, it was a girl named Christy and she lived um, overseas. And I mean, she wasn't like, she was similar to you. Uh, she had one other girl who was with her, but then that girl returned back to the state. So she basically is living alone and she would have to take a train into town to be with the rest of her team. And so I remember thinking, oh, poor thing. She's never going to get married. I mean, I said that. I mean, Bible believing, know who God is and what he can do. Kim said that, you know. And uh, and sure enough, some guy came through their village, a photographer, as a part of another team. And they met and they're married. And just an amazing love story that only God could have written. And if she had not been where she was, she would have missed that. And he was like an Australian or something, had this amazing accent. And, you know, I was at their wedding. I was at their wedding. And I was the whole time I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I I mean, I feel like I um, didn't believe you could do this. And here you are. You're just showing us all. So um, who knows what's in store? 
Yeah, I know. And I think too, it keeps your standards so high because it's not like there's a million guys running around and I might just fall in love with this random guy who doesn't really love God. Like, I feel like if someone is to try to date me, it's going to be someone who is really bold and really confident and really trust God. And so I'm thankful that it keeps my standards high. That's a great point. I'd love to ask like a practical question. What does fighting for contentment look like for you? Yeah. So I think it really, you know, first of all, is just doing your daily time with God, like waking up and being like, I just need faith for today. Like, I don't need to have 10 years down the road knowing, you know, where I'm going to live and who I'm going to marry. That's not going to make me content. What's going to make me content today is just trusting God and getting in his word and praying. And I think something too, that is really good to pray for if you're single or married or whatever it is, just wanting contentment is asking God to be your contentment. And I love Jeremiah 15, 16, that says, your words were found and I ate them and they became to me the joy and delight of my heart. I pray for that a lot, that God's word would just be the joy and delight of my heart. And also Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing. Um, So just those things remind me that I have everything I need. And um, I think too, this is not because I'm a missionary, but I think this is something that a ton of people would really benefit from is I read a lot of missionary biographies because typically like those people, they had really hard lives, but they were the most joyful people. Like I mentioned Elizabeth Elliot. She's a great person. I would just go read like all of her books because she had two husbands die. She did all these things and was just so joyful. So missionary biographies are really helpful. Um, and something that recently I have loved doing is just having like a little worship night by myself. Like I'll pick out, you know, five or 10 songs and just I'll worship by myself and have this intimate time with Christ. And that fills my heart so much. So I would definitely recommend that to anyone who's just wanting deeper intimacy with God. I love it. You know what's interesting? As a married woman who's married to an amazing man, I have awesome kids. I really do enjoy my life. I read Elizabeth Elliot too, so that I can, she spurs me on in contentment. And uh, earlier this year, I was just reading her books back to back to back to back. And um, I mean, she's just, you know, you read people like that and it just, kind of jolts you, you know, it's so anti what our culture kind of says. And, uh, and so anyway, it's not just for singles, it's for married women as well. I need to read more Elizabeth Elliot around here. Oh, she's, she is just a hero to me. She really is. Yeah. Can I share something that helps me too? Yeah, please. I actually learned this from your husband, Kim. Um, Sean, he gave a talk one time about giving thanks to God Mm -hmm. and it really just stuck with me of, 
you know, how often I don't thank God for all the things he has given. You know, I just can get so shallow in my thinking of, man, God hasn't answered the prayer for us to buy a home or God hasn't answered this specific prayer. And then when I really sit and think about it, I'm like, God has actually answered so many of my prayers and prayers I never even prayed, but were for my good. And so when I just really sit there and think about all the great things God has given me, I just walk away feeling so content, (laughs) even when Mm. I approached that time of feeling discontent. Yeah, that's so good. So shout out, Sean. Yeah, shout out, Sean. Now, I used to play this game called the thankful game when I was a single girl. And I play it as a married woman, too. But I just I named it the thankful game because I would experience something. And I it was actually an old boyfriend who kind of challenged me one time. I was complaining about my hair. And he said, tell me two good things about your hair. And so I just it's kind of the thankful game. And so when you're feeling um, discontent, to recount God's faithfulness in the past, to to focus on what you do have rather than what you don't have. And uh, the thankful game has pulled me out of a lot of little ditches that I've dug for myself. So um, that's another idea also. Okay, Abby, I feel like, I mean, I'm feeling this too. So I imagine our listeners are like, is Abby just like a superhuman or what? She seems like I mean, the most <laughs> joyful person. <laughs> And I'm sure some of them are like, oh, man, like poor Abby, she's a single girl all the way in Tokyo and um, living as a missionary. But it's like, no, that's like not um, how you feel. You are choosing joy in your circumstances. And so um, and we talked about this a little bit, but do you have anything to add? How do you cling to truth in the difficult days and how have you seen Jesus comfort you in the difficulties? Yeah, so I think I really love Sarah in the Old Testament of how she poured out her heart to God. And, you know, the Bible even says people thought she was not okay. Like they were like, this girl is drunk because she looks crazy. And she was just praying and crying and pouring her heart out to God. And so I think, you know, it's easy just to go about your routine. And I have like a prayer list and different things I pray for every day. But, um, you know, I try to make time to really pray like that, to really pour out my heart. And sometimes you're not feeling like doing that, but just to be real with God of this is, um, you know, what I'm grieving and this is what I want. And so those are two really good questions. I just heard Jenny Allen speak and she said that, you know, if you think about what you're grieving and what you want, those are two really great ways to just process what's in your heart with God. And so I think it is making time to get deep with God and to get real and not just check off the list. That's good. That's good. (laughs) I feel like I'm one of those people I don't like to get deep because it makes me realize just how emotionally broken I am. And I would just rather go through life and just be even keeled about everything and excited and nothing bad ever happens. But it's like when I hearing you say those questions, I'm like, wow, that would literally help God's word get into my heart better if I'm honest with what is actually going on. Yeah. I had a mentor early in um, my life encourage me, you know, just from the Psalms. It's like, pour out your heart before the Lord and just whatever's in there, let it come out and just be honest with him. Because at that point, you know, change can occur. Mm -hmm. Um, When we're just trying to fake it, we're kind of, you know, I don't know, especially trying to fake it with God, we're covering up some things, then change can't really occur when you're faking. You Mm -hmm. know, you just have to be honest. And so I appreciate you sharing about that, Abby. 
If you are ever struggling with contentment, what are some boundaries you set to protect yourself? I've heard of some of them, but could you kind of elaborate just how you protect yourself from discontentment? Yeah, so this is a really basic one that I'm sure a lot of people have tried or heard of, but I do just like to not get on Instagram or delete Instagram for a week or a few weeks. Um, or there's periods of time where I'll only get on it one day a week. Like I always like to have something because I think, you know, when you're looking at all these other people's stuff and I like to think of myself, like that doesn't affect me, you know, I'm so happy for them or this is just fun. It's entertaining to look at Instagram, but I think it affects us a lot more than we realize. And it just makes me not like a present person in the moment. And it makes it hard to just focus on what's happening in your day and your life and your friendships and be thankful. And so, um, I think it helps with contentment. It also helps you just to be present. Like, um, I was reading this book about Dallas Willard, Dallas Willard, who, um, he was saying that, you know, when he's talking to someone, he wouldn't answer the phone. And now it's like, how often are we just on our phone? Like someone's talking to us and we're on it. And so I think it helps me be present, but it also helps me to be content. Even if I think I'm fine and if I think I'm content and I can go on Instagram, it's just healthy. That's good. That's really practical. It is practical. I'm sure most of us have Instagram that are listening in or Mm -hmm. some kind of social media that could make us discontent that we could very well practically apply that. Yeah, just take a break from it. Do you have anything in your life, Kim, that you do to fight for contentment? Um, I think just being thankful, like playing the thankful game. I, uh, I started a little journal beside my bed. Um, you know, when you're a parent and a wife and you've got all these responsibilities, it's just real easy to focus on what's been undone, you know, what didn't get done or what the issues are and, Um, And so I love being able to just name three things before I go to bed that I'm really grateful for. And I just, it helps me to sleep better. You know, I'm just, I'm I'm going to bed reflecting on what God has given me and what God did and what has been done and those type of things. So that's just like a new little thing I've started. And Mm -hmm. I've really liked it. I love that. Thank you. Awesome. I might have to steal that. Yeah. Always stealing Kim's ideas. Now I need to steal Abby's. <laughs> well, that's what we do. We steal from each other. We all need each other for encouragement because we're all dealing with things, you know. Well, Abby, what advice do you have for girls who are fighting to be content right now? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice that has helped me, and it's, I think, the hardest thing to do, but it's taking your thoughts captive. So scripture says, I take every thought captive to obey Christ. And, you know, I think that our minds are so powerful. And so we need to rewrite our narrative for our life. If it is, you know, that you are waiting, you're incomplete, you're discontent, you're hopeless. If that is your narrative and it's self-pity or you're just focusing on all the negative things. We need to rewrite our narrative in light of who God is. And, you know, in James, it also says to count everything joy. And so there's real struggles. There's true hard things in life that 
are so painful. Um, I'm sure the people listening have gone through things that any part about that doesn't sound joyful. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, even if there is nothing to be joyful about, we can rest in the fact that God sent Jesus for us, like for you. Jesus died for you. He chose to get up on the cross to pay for your sins. And I want to read this verse from Revelation 21, because this life is so short. This is like one of my soapboxes is just remembering life is fleeting. Life is a mist and it's a light momentary affliction scripture says. So even in the most painful thing, when we are in heaven with God, we'll look back and say that was a light just moment that happened. I'm going to read this verse, Revelation 21, 4. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. So I love that because we have hope if we're believers past this life. Like even if every season of our life just gets harder, we can say there's hope and there only the best is to come. We have eternity with Christ to look forward to. Um, and so that's something I always think about, like suffering isn't promised that it's going to stop or pain or loneliness or discontentment, but we know that this life is fleeting and that this life is not forever and it's broken and it's imperfect. Mm. What a beautiful picture. Good. Mm. I know. I just, I look forward to that, you know, and that every sacrifice or every, you know, just thing that we've um, chosen to give up for the Lord, he's, he's going to reward that. And um, man, I hope I just, I live close to you in heaven. <laughs> Same Kim. I also um, think too, that this is something I share with people a lot. And I don't really know where I got this from, but I always think about like, whenever I see Christ, whenever I get to meet God one day, I'm not going to think about, oh, I wasn't married. I didn't have a husband or I didn't, I wasn't pretty enough or I didn't have make enough money. I'm going to be thinking about, I wish I gave you even more. And I wish that I mm-hmm. sacrificed even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's like, we're <clears throat> going to get to see the magnitude of who God is in that moment. And so it's like, yeah, how could we not just be like, oh, like now seeing you, I could give so much more of my life to you. Yeah. Yeah. So Abby, um, earlier today, we recorded with Tiffany, and we understand that you were in her Bible study for about three years, her Monday night Bible study, had dinner together, and you spent a lot of time with Tiffany, and she um, just invested in you sharing the things that she has learned, um, and she discipled you. What could you share about that experience from your angle? Yeah, I think discipleship is so sweet and it's the best relationship that you could be a part of. I, before college, did not know what that word discipleship meant. I'm like, that sounds so weird. What is that? But it really is just um, learning from someone who's a couple of steps ahead of you in your faith. So Kim, I know you are very passionate probably about Titus 2 too, which is older women teaching the younger women. And so Tiffany is only a few years older than me, but um, it's just really sweet. It's someone who keeps me accountable in every season, even like 
having this job that it's spiritual and it's my job is like, you know, a professional Christian, I still need someone who's ahead of me in life that can encourage me and I can learn from. And so, yeah. And she's also the wisest person I have ever met. So if people have not listened to her episode yet, they definitely should. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. I mean, y'all are kind of a powerhouse. You know, it's kind of, it's really fun because I, you know, I'm inviting people onto the podcast, people that I know and Adrian knows, and it's kind of like there's a neat um, discipleship train that kind of goes through. People are connected. Like we had Val on episode four of this season and she played a role in Tiffany's life. She was she helped baptize her um, when she kind of made her profession of faith public. And, you know, and then now you're on the podcast. And so it's just kind of fun to see mm-hmm. the layers about how God uses women in other women's life. Mm-hmm. I love it. And we're just ordinary, average people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and God is using us in the lives of others to make a difference in the world. And I can just think of nothing more wonderful to be a part of. Mm. Well said. Uh, So Abby, thank you so much for being with us today. We are just so proud of you and thank you so much just for sharing your heart. If um, girls wanted to keep up with you and your adventures in Tokyo, um, how could they keep up with you? Yeah. So, I mean, you can always just follow me on Instagram. It's Abby Wilbanks. And if you want to, you can DM me or if you have my number, text me your email because I do newsletters every month of what God's doing in Japan and we are starting a church. So it's a lot of prayer requests and updates with that. So if you want to hear more, I would love to, for you guys to be praying. Prayer is just our most powerful resource. So I would love if you guys even just DM me your email, I can add you to my newsletter list. That's a great idea. And we can uh, link all that in the show notes mm-hmm. and uh, make it easy for our listeners. And uh, wow, what a wonderful day. I just feel so happy inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, Abby, for being a part of it all. Adrian, I just love doing this with you. And Logan, thank you so much for your hard work to make it happen. And for Kim, the other Kim who is behind the scenes, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her as well, but she plays a crucial role in um, the podcast as well. And so we're grateful for her and we look forward to for you to get to know her. And to our listeners, thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us. We still have a lot to talk about and I have a lot of wonderful friends I want you to meet. And so I hope you'll join us again next week. 